Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. I came up early this morning and stood here and looked out this way just to get used to the view. So this is what it looks like. I've always looked at the water and thought one day, who knows? <laughs> Holy water. Um, so thank you so much for allowing me the privilege of being able to share something of what's in me. Uh, before I start, can we just pray quick? Is that good? Ah, Father, Lord, we love you. We just thank you so much for this time to be with you this morning and um, that part of you mixed with me is going to create something special, Lord. And I just pray that your word would come out with clarity today. And even if it's one, Lord, uh, that something touches, sparks, and changes, Lord, then when something has been accomplished. So we love you. We thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us and, and your pleasure over us this morning. In Jesus' name. Cool. Right. So I've got to say, listen, if I, sh- if I do shouts, just let me know because this is very new. I don't know how close this thing is. Um, I am a f- I'm not normally cynical or skeptical, but I, I've... Um, I've recently become quite cynical and skeptical with TV uh, because reality TV, folks, is something which I, um, I don't know where it started, Big Brother or back in the day, but is it not the most unreal thing around? And they call it reality TV, but it's become the most unreal thing you could possibly watch. And the whole of, now, anything you turn on TV, you're seeing some banal family thing, and you think it's real, but it's not, and you have like the Kardashians, whoever they are, becoming famous just for being people who live in their house and do things during the day. I don't know where that happens, but, and I know my family, they know what's going to happen. When I'm watching TV, and it's Bear Grylls doing his latest thing, uh, I'm the first guy that's going to go, guys, it's not real. There's a script there. I mean, Bear Grylls is climbing a mountain, huffing and puffing. There's a guy with a camera, for goodness sakes, who's filming him going up the same mountain, you know? And there's a paramedic and there's a staff of 20. And the family are always like, yeah, Dad, you know, just let us watch in peace. However, I have to now say something, uh, and I know it's a God thing, it could only be a God thing. In the last two months, I have found myself being um, wrecked by reality TV. And I hate to say it, have to admit it, that particular program that I've been watching the last two months is America's Got Talent, okay? And, and God kind of, there were two things that happened, and it really, I found myself blubbering away, and I literally, every time I watch these videos, I still, I'm wrecked. So I know God's talking about it. And in fact, I know it actually there's something on it, because uh, Chris Vallotton, I know, tweeted the next day, I asked, after I was like, man, I can't believe what I've just watched you. Yeah. And the next day, Chris Vallotton is, is tweeting the same thing. So I hope you got the vid. Um, Lenny, if you, if you can, uh, we'll just watch a quick video. So let me just, before we go, before we go. So just quick context for those of you who are maybe living in a cave. America's Got Talent is a talent show where people come with whatever they can do. It can be the man with the talking slug, it can be the magician, it can be a, it doesn't matter what it is, you bring something and you have two minutes to wow the judges and then they decide whether you're going to go through or not, okay? So this young lady here that we're going to see up here, 
Courtney Hadwin is her name. This little waif-like, quiet as a mouse, softly spoken young woman gets up on stage in front of maybe three, 4,000 people and the world, and something happens. So in the context of this morning, when you watch this, maybe just ask God now just to kind of maybe reveal something to you. I know what he revealed to me, and then we'll go from there. Lenny, if you can. Thanks, bud. Hi. Welcome to America's Got Talent. How are you? Um, a little bit nervous. That's okay to be nervous. That's totally understandable. What's your name? Courtney. And how old are you? 13. Oh, 13. Wow. Um, what's your favorite subject in school? Music. What kind of music? I don't know. <laughs> you're very sweet. And I'm guessing you're going to be singing for us? Yeah. Listen, don't be nervous. I know this is a big stage and there's lots of people here, but you're here for a reason, so go for it and good luck. Thank you. Thanks, Lenny. I don't know about you, but um, there's something incredible when you see something authentic and something touched and unique. I'm going to stick with that, but there was one other, which I'm not going to show the video, but just talk through it very quickly. Uh, same thing happened. I watched it and just, I was wrecked. Still am. A young man um, came on stage, fairly disheveled, guitar, and um, the same process. They ask him, is he going to sing? Yes, he's going to sing. What song are you going to sing? And he says, no, I'm going to sing a, a song from Brian Adams. Why are you going to do that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm fairly good at karaoke, you know, and, and that was it. The judges went, didn't think anything of him. And he starts to play, and he's pretty good. Uh, holds a tune, plays the guitar pretty well. 20 seconds into his routine, 
the key judge just raises his hand and says, stop, 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 stop. That is boring, generic, sorry. You've got a good voice, but that is just, is there anything else you can do? So the guy says, do you write your own songs? He says, yeah, I write my own songs. He says, well, play us one of your songs. He had deemed it more important to play a Brian Adams song. And as he starts to play his own song, as he starts to strum up his own lyrics, something happens, very similar to this. The crowd rise, the people are stamping, cheering. It's an incredible song. It's, the lyrics are amazing. And at the end of it, as the crowd are on their feet, and this guy recognizes what has just come out of himself, he just begins to weep. It's a moment where the authentic reality of who he is comes out. Now those two things for me, um, I've kind of been expressing it already, it's about authenticity. It's about uniqueness. We've been looking at uh, the, the, the theme, I guess, of, of what's being preached at the moment is about the gospel and how we as people carry that thing. And this speaks about the authenticity and the uniqueness that each and every single one of you have. We spend our lives trying to be like somebody else. Carbon copies of that person or that person. And it's good to follow people who are doing things well, for sure. But this is about knowing what we carry. It's about knowing what you carry. Because God is after that thing, his, his fingerprint that defines who you're at. Now, this is not a business punt, I promise you, but I, I've been involved in some coaching on strengths. Now, strengths coaching, very quickly without boring you with detail, says this, that there are talent themes or traits that every single one of you have, and through a process of, of research that they've recognized, there are 34 key talent themes that everyone on the planet has in different order. Now, here's the clincher. When you actually do the maths, if we had to go and do the assessment, my top five strengths, yours, all of you here, one in 33 million, they would be the same as somebody else on the planet in the same order. One in six billion top 10 talents. It means that what you carry individually, uniquely, is super powerful. It's totally unique. And here's the, the thing, God has got this incredible thing called the gospel or himself in us. And the filtering of him through us is where the magic happens. The gospel being preached, however it's preached by yourselves, it's who you are that really unlocks this thing. You know, when I was thinking of this preach, God showed me a picture of a tea bag. And um, if someone comes to your house for tea and Linda arrives and I give him a tea bag and say, yeah, chew on that bud. You're not going to have too many guys coming around for tea again. The magic of tea, folks, is tea bag, boiling water, together, infused. And I love this because it's almost like, I know there's a passage of Scripture somewhere which, which says it's about we add something to Christ. Somewhere in the New Testament, we add something to him. It's like, oh, how does that happen? I think it's like this. It's incredible that God has deemed partnership with us so important because we know that he could come down now and just solve the problems, you know? Like God just comes and wafts and, and it's all done. But he goes, no, 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 no. The way this thing's gonna happen 
is the uniqueness, the individual, incredible diversity of all of you people is how it's gonna happen. And my life filtered through your life is how this thing is gonna change the world. It's my fingerprint on you. He values partnership, folks. He values what we carry. This is just a thought that's popped in now. This nation, what is the gift we have? It's our diversity. Where is our greatest challenge? Where are we being hammered in the, forget the economy, but it's on race relations. It's the very gift we have. Because diversity and uniqueness and the authentic reality of culture and whatever is part of God's expression. So it was just a thought. But it's, it's, it's so true. He values it. So each and every one of you carries something incredibly important. The genius of you is your authentic song. Not somebody else's song. Not Brian Adams. What's your song? Okay, bro, your song. You can only sing your song. No one can write those lyrics. That thing that comes out of you, you know? Um, the unique thing. The story that you have that needs to be heard and told. And a lot of people, I know we get, uh, even when I, I was coaching a friend of mine the other day, he was going through a bit of a tough time. And people find it very difficult to speak positively about themselves. Don't know if you've experienced this. When I had to ask him, bud, how do you think you see yourself? What do people say about you? And he was like, oh, man. And I could say, man, you're amazing. You just, and I could tell him a whole lot of stuff. We need to know what we carry. You need to know what is the unique, authentic you so that song can come out. It's, that raw is there. It's got to come out. Because if it doesn't come out, we don't get to hear it. And that's just sad. So... Your story, whether it's good or bad, and for those folk here who are going, yeah, well, you know, my awkwardness, my shyness, the limp I walk with, you know, the limp I walk with in my life, that stuff, you don't know what I carry, you don't know what I've been through. Guys, here's the thing, God can deal with all of that stuff. Give me your brokenness. Give me the stuff you've been through, those victories, those battles you lost, the stuff that isn't so cool in your past, Jesus is not afraid of it. He doesn't look at you and go, man, I was not expecting that. He's saying, give me what you have. Give me the little bit you have, and I'll work with it. We've got a little um, puppy called Winston. He had his jaw broken by a big dog. His face is squonky, like this. But it, it's made him cuter, there's something about it, we just go, man, I don't know if we want that to happen again, but man, you are very cute like that. There's something about what you carry, your story that is relevant and real, we can't wish it away, but it's part of the thing that God is going to use. It's part of you and how he's going to filter his gospel through you. It's important. So, authentic uniqueness. Tick. It's you, like no one else. Now, how we carry this gospel or the good news, and, and I, I have to say that when I was, um, the, 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 <laughs> the Greeks could have done a bit better, I don't know, I don't know if you think about the gospel, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, we shall call it the good news, you know, it's like, it really is a little bit of understatement, isn't it? I mean, it's like one level above the nice news or the okay news. <laughs> they could have really 
But let's work with good, okay? We'll work with the good news. And um, I think there's one thing we could redeem the good news with. And that is uh, with the fact that God, who, you know, in his attributes, one of the key things he is, is his infinity or his infinitude. He's without beginning or end. So when we're talking the good news, as much as we're limited in our language, we have to understand that this news that we have is without beginning or end. It is infinite, eternal good news. Okay, so that is the first thing. And here's the next. It's in you. This is not a word. It's not a story. It's not a lovely little picture. It is a person, and he lives in you with all of his fullness and all of his power. In Colossians, if you go and read it, there's... I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's like all of God is in Jesus, and then Paul goes, and all of Jesus is in me. It's a mind blow. If you contemplate little old me with my broken, squonky jaw, and God is there. In that thing that you are and who you are and your song and your uniqueness, God is there in his fullness. Um, I was on a church camp in probably 12 years ago, we were up at Michael House. Crimes, where you, buddy? You're going to have to check me here. But uh, we, I was early one morning, I was walking around the old quadrangle. Um, and I, how old is the school? Crime, where are you, buddy? Is it 150 years old? 100 what? 120. Okay, take 25 off. 100, only 125. Okay. 125 years old. And I remember on the one morning, I was walking around the old little cloistered quadrangle early in the morning, and I was just spending some time alone with God, and I was noticing the grooves in the corridors that had been worn out by Kramer and his mates going back 125 years. And I was just thinking, Lord Jesus, like, sorry, Kramer, no, well, look, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was, I was thinking, like, which guys have walked these floors and worn them away with their, these young men um, what did they achieve? What did they accomplish? And, you know, having this kind of moment. And then God has stopped me and he arrested me with a sentence. And the sentence was this. All of my history is in you. And I had to sit on that and go, Lord, man, all of your history is in me. Every resurrection, every healing, every word of God, every act of the Holy Spirit, creating the universe, whatever you want, everything that God has been involved with, without beginning or end, is in me. I carry that thing. This great news, this great news that is in us. This is not a thing for us to carry alone. It unlocks us for sure, but this, in fact, is news. It's good news. News is given away, folks. Again, you know, watching TV, SABC1, you know, dun, 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 10 o'clock news. This morning's news, well, I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm going to hold the news to myself. It's never going to happen. The news is the news. It's told. It's expressed. There's a reason for it. And so this thing that's been put inside of us is, is not something that we hold. But because it's who we are and it's not a story to be spoken, it is where you go. I had a conversation with a young gent this morning about this. I think it might have been Spurgeon who said something along the lines of, at all times, be ready to preach the gospel. Only sometimes use words. 
because you carry it. The history of God is in you. Wherever you go, you take Christ. You change atmospheres because of what you carry. We've got to know it, but it's true. I work in a corporate environment, guys, and I've said to, to people before, it's a postmodern, post-Christian world. People don't even know what the Word of God is anymore. But what changes hearts is how you live, act, speak. They see it on you. Hope is a contagious thing. And because we carry that mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, people love that stuff. You think they're going to run away from it. They're not. So when you walk into a place and you're just living something differently, acting something differently, it's contagious. And we carry it. All of God's history in it. And you, you know, I was chatting to somebody and they were like, yeah, but you know, I can't preach. You know? I can't do that. I'm just, I get shy and nervous. And I, that, that's okay. Guys, it's okay. Take that thing off. Your thing, whatever that is, it might be your kindness. It just might be uh, you know, looking after somebody, caring for somebody. It might be preaching. It might just be a, being an amazing friend. But whether you're an Uber driver, a scientist, a pastor, doctor, it doesn't matter. Same full package Holy Spirit, different contexts. That's all it is. So you don't have to look at somebody and go, oh, yeah, I can't do that thing. Don't worry about it. Allow your song, your thing, with Jesus meshing through it like the tea bag, the flavor, the aroma, the richness of who God is through your unique, authentic life. Allow that thing to happen. So qualification. Yeah. So listen, kids doing exams, varsity students, do not try this at home, Okay. Um, because uh, learning is good. But here's the deal. When people go, I'm not qualified to speak the gospel, we unfortunately cannot get off that one because the scripture is quite clear in Ephesians, he has, in Colossians. He has qualified you. He has qualified you. Holy Spirit's on you. You're qualified. You're all doctors of the gospel. Yeah? There's nothing you have to be to, to, doing to achieve that thing. You've been qualified. It says in the scriptures, he stoops to make you great. I love that. The king of the universe stoops to make Lindor and Tambuk great. He's doing a good job, bud. He stoops to make you great. He sets you up for victories. Ephesians says this, you are God's worksmanship, created in Christ to do good works which he has prepared for in advance for you to do. I love that thing. He sets you up with victories and things for you to go after in the future. You're going to walk into some victories and then what's amazing, he goes, well done, you're amazing. But he sets you up. That's your, that's your dad. That's your father uh, as you partner with him in this thing. Um, we have... Uh, some other stories around uh, uh, naming, and I, I love this. And I, in Revelations 2, it speaks of um, a white... This is a mysterious passage, by the way, but, but I love it. It says um, uh, in Re Revelation 2, it speaks about a, a new name that God gives each and every one of us. And go and check it out. 
the passage says something along these lines. It says, to those who overcome, you will receive some of the hidden manna. I will also give you a new name written on a white stone, known only to you who receives it. Each and every single one of you in this room has a name that God has got for you. Unique individual that he roars over you. That he announces to the powers and principalities. And I know for me, part of this whole unlocking of my uniqueness and authenticity in the context of carrying God's gospel is, hey Lord, what do you call me? How do you see me? What do you say when you see me? When he created you and all of heaven stands up and he says, this is my boy. This is what I call over you. So each and every one of us, I think there's something in being able to find this. Um, so, qualification. Stooping to make you great. Greater things. You will do greater things. Try and unpack that one. And that's another, probably another whole preach on its own. And in Psalm 84, there's this incredible picture of a group of people walking in their authenticity, and again, it's, I'm not going to go into the whole, the whole passage, but Psalm 84 speaks about a people on a pilgrimage on a journey. They are not standing still. Jill was mentioning today, glory to glory. This is a people moving from one stage of glory to the next. They're not parked off. And it says, these are people who set their hearts on pilgrimage, and it says, as they walk through the valley of weeping, Here's the, here's the clincher. It says, they make it a place of springs. Not God does. They make it. Why? Because wherever you go, you take God with. You're telling God's story with who you are and what you carry in your authentic uniqueness. So this stuff is all good, and we're seeing people moving in action, but here's another sentence that God gave me when I was preparing. And it, it was a bit weird, and I had to unpack it again. He said to me, showing effort in an effortless kingdom. And he left it at that. Now, effort, in some cases, we have to be very clear about what I mean. What I'm not meaning is, we strive to make God love us more. We are, we are really, hey God, you know, I'm gonna make this thing happen. No, we're not talking about making God love us more. That is done and dusted. And I know there was a lot of stuff spoken into the church some years ago, church as in global, regarding the gift of righteousness and not living under the law and receiving grace as a gift, etc., which is all 100% correct. And there was this very clear thing on, guys, you do not need to be working or striving for God's favor or affection. 100% correct. This is not what this is. So when we're talking effort here, possibly the word, and I don't want to say God was wrong, I'm giving that sentence, but um, maybe partnership in an effortless kingdom. Because it is an effortless kingdom. Where you walk, you walk as a son or a daughter. There's no effort in it. You have the deposit of God. You have the history of God. You have the unique talents and gifts that he's given you. It is effortless. He has won the victory. You are walking out something that God has already done. It is effortless. But it requires effort. It requires you to be playing your part in the deal. There's no point just drinking a hot cup of boiling water. No, we want the tea bag. It's got to be, we need both. And I, and I love the fact that God is pleased with us. He, he wants this thing. He could do it, but he wants us involved with him. And so the story that jumped out to me, which was incredible for me, 
um, was a story by a little lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. And I want to illustrate what this means. Corrie Ten Boom was a Dutch woman who lived in the Second World War. And um, lover of God, and as the Germans occupied uh, Holland at that time, she and her sister and her family decided to kind of step in. And so as they were taking, uh, the Nazis would come in and take the families away to concentrate, the Jewish families to concentration camps. Corrie Ten Boom and her sister started to hide Jewish families in their house at great risk to themselves. And they would um, you know, ferret these people away, hold them, keep them, and they saved many, many people like that. Until one day they were caught, they were found out, and they were taken to the Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp. It was in this concentration camp where Corrie Ten Boom and his sister they were brutalized, tortured, um, uh, suffered terrible atrocities and watched millions of people die, obviously. And it was in this place where Corrie Ten Boom's sister passed away before her eyes. And there was one particular guard in that camp who was the epitome of evil and brutality. Three years on, the war is over. Corrie Ten Boom is in a little town in Germany preaching the gospel. And she's preaching on forgiveness. Like only she could in her brokenness. And she says she finishes her story, finishes preaching, and everybody's filing out of the auditorium and she notices one lone figure going against the flow, walking towards her. She can't quite see who it is. She's getting her Bible together. And as this person walks down the aisle, he takes off his hat and she sees a face. It was the God from the camp. And um, she says in her memoir that her blood goes like ice in her veins. And all the hatred and all the anger and all the bitterness just... And this man comes up and stands in front of her. He takes off his hat humbly, looks at her and he says, Fraulein, Fraulein, how wonderful this message is. How wonderful that no matter what I've done in my past, how evil or wicked I've been, that you could forgive me and, 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 and you could, God could separate my sin from me as far as the east is from the west, as if, as if it was under the sea. How wonderful. He says, Fraulein, but I too was at Ravensbrook as a God and I know God has forgiven me, but can you forgive me? And Corrie Ten Boom says in that, minute, in that moment, with everything, the death of her sister, every bit of rage is just in her face. She says she, was, she could not look at this man. And she, she was looking down at her Bible, fumbling at her pages, and she just said in that moment, she said, Lord God, in this moment, I can do nothing. All I can do is I can raise my hand to shake his. That's all I'm going to do. The rest is yours. And so this little lady raises her hand with all her bitterness and anger. And she says, as she grasps his hand, heaven descends. And God, in his 
infinite, eternal grace, love, mercy, power, like you would never understand it, that surpasses understanding, envelops her. She looks at this man, she puts her hands on his shoulders and looks him in the eyes and says, my brother, my brother, I forgive you with all of my heart and how wonderful it is to see you again. The gospel preached, the gospel lived out in partnership with God. As he f- Guys, this thing is about giving God whatever you have. God says, give me the littleness, give, give me the brokenness, give me the lack of faith, doesn't matter, give it to me and I will throw eternity at this thing. And then we'll see what happens. I went on a run some years ago uh, Ken, Ken will know it well. Ken used to call our runs in the morning and it was just outside where we used to run from Ken and I, I was running one afternoon and I had my headphones on and I was uh, listening to a preach by Bill Johnson on healing and I ran past a guy who was walking on crutches. Morning, and I ran past him. I'm like 100 meters up the road and I felt God go, mate, buddy, you're listening to a preach on healing and you've just run past a guy with crutches. So I'm like, okay, uh, and I, I kind of out of obligation and duty, I kind of went back and I went to this old Zulu gent and my Zulu is n- not good at all and his English was better than my Zulu but not great and we had this moment and I just said to him, can I pray for your legs? And he, yes, and I had this dutiful kind of little spat out prayer that didn't carry, carry any power or Holy Ghost anointing, you know, all that stuff. It was just like, Lord Jesus, can you just heal this man? Amen, amazing. And bah, and off I went. So I go on this run around the block and I'm coming, about 40 minutes later, I'm running past and I'm just thinking to myself, yes, maybe I should just look out for the guy and see, you know. So I run past him about 100, 100 meters away from where this man was and I saw him and he saw me. And in that moment, he stopped, he raised his crutches above his head, hands like this, and he started going like this. <laughs> and it was a moment for me when I was kind of running down the road going, Lord, how does this work? You know, it's like, and it's, and it's this, folks, that uh, the effort we have, it doesn't have to be anything grand. It can just be, just give me what you have. Give me the little you have, and I will throw it to Just raise the hand, folks, and I will throw eternity at it. So as I come into land now, guys, um, the one last little person to speak about who kind of gripped me as I was reading this, and then we'll, we'll land this plane. Um, Gideon. So Gideon, for me, is, 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 it's kind of quite sad, actually, when you see the guy. In the context we meet Gideon, we all know the story. God meets him, and when we first see the guy, he's in his wine press. But he's not making wine, which is what you should be doing in a wine press. He's threshing wheat. And the reason why he's there is because in the context of that, Israel had kind of lost the plot. They had um, given up their birthright in a sense. They'd forgotten God. And so they were living this menial existence, fighting against a whole lot of enemies in a promised land that was actually theirs by right. And, and they were hiding away in caves and in the cliffs. Because whatever they planted was stolen. Whatever they raised in terms of animal was stolen. And so here we find Gideon in his little wine press, unseen, hidden away, threshing his little wheat, 
He should be making a party drink and he's just messing around with carbs, you know? <laughs> carbs are bad for you guys. So, so there he is, we find him. But, but the, the most wonderful thing about this, guys, is when God meets him, we kind of think, like, uh, I've got to be at a certain, maybe the certain thing that I've got to be walking in when God comes and says, hey, you. When God meets Gideon and he's in his one place and he says, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And we know Gideon's response. Like, who? Me? Me. You've got to be joking. You've got to be joking. My family is the least in Manasseh, Manasseh, and I'm the least in the family. Well, God's had a history, folks, of meeting the least. Prostitutes and drunkards and demon-possessed is the whole, through, through the Bible, we'll know that he, he can sometimes choose the foolish things. But I love the fact that he meets us in our little wine press, hidden away, and he calls out destiny, and he calls out your promise, and he calls out your assignment. He does not see you for what you're doing at this time. And it's the same for all of us. You might disqualify yourself. We covered that hopefully with qualification earlier. But you are qualified, and you are chock full of that unique authenticity that God requires. So he comes and meets you in the wine press and he says, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. And I love God's kindness to Gideon because I'm not gonna read it, but you read the whole story. He gives him ample time to kind of back out of the deal and he, and he tries. Gideon really does. And God stays with him until eventually he becomes a great deliverer and judge of Israel, for Israel. But the one final word that God says, which I think is kind of where it marries with what we've been talking about this morning, where he says to Gideon, he says, just go in the strength that you have. Go with what you have, for the Lord is with you. We will um, strike down the Midianites together. He talks of partnership with himself, partnership in the context of community, but he says, just give me the little you have, and we will go and strike down the Midianites together. Now, I think Gideon for me was, I think for all, well, certainly for myself in certain areas, but I do want to just maybe put this out to us here. This one press moment, or this, it sounds very churchy, but this hiddenness. And I think there is a word for us this morning that comes out of all of this, and it's this it is time to be seen. It is time to be seen, people. We can put ourselves in our limitation, our wine presses of limitation. And I, and I had a thought this morning, I'm gonna say it now. Young and old, please. For older folk who are sitting here today, mom, I don't wanna, like, but I'm just saying it. You're not getting out of this. God doesn't go, your time has come. We're looking for Caleb's taking mountaintops, folks. Old or young, God is saying, time to be seen. Time to be seen. We need to be seeing the authentic, unique thing that you're carrying, whether you're this or this. Wise, maybe not old, wise. The unique, authentic you. We've got to get out of that wine press. Whatever it might be, and I don't even want to go there. But I think part of this morning is going to be to say, for those of us who are sitting in a wine press, work-wise, relationship-wise, church, whatever it is, there's a moment today where we need to be stepping out of that thing because God wants it. 
because being seen is what's going to touch nations. You can't be seen in a wine press, folks. The nations aren't going to read the story of Christ through your life and your authentic uniqueness if you're not seen. You've got to be living that thing. So, yeah, I could ramble. I'm not going to ramble. Um, I'm going to do this now, if you wouldn't mind. I'm going to, there are two things. One is, but just because I think it's epic for anybody who has never met Christ. If you, if you literally are sitting here today and you're going, I don't even know, I don't know Jesus actually. I'm just going to put it out. There's, there's no embarrassing anybody, but there are going to be some folk, myself, whoever, just for a little bit afterwards. If that is you and you're saying, I'd love to be prayed for, I'd love to know who Jesus is, we're going to be here. That's the first. The second, I just want to, I want to just pray for anybody if the one press moment, the authentic thing, the, the unique thing, the partnering with God thing, the raising of the hand thing, but I've got to get out the wine press. I've got to get out of this place where I'm stuck. I've got to get out of this place where I know I need to be seen, Lord Jesus. And I'll just bring my little bit, and God, I'm expecting you to chuck eternity at that thing. Could I ask you to rise, if that is you? And I just want to pray for us. Father, it's so good to be called your children. It's so good to be calling you dad and to know that your love for us is eternal and infinite, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you deem partnership with us to be so amazing, that your pleasure over us is so huge, that you'd want to partner with us, Lord. We love that, Lord. All of your history is in us, Lord. You created me individually, uniquely for my song, my lyrics, my roar that transforms me from being one person to another, Lord. Father, whatever I have, whatever these people have, Lord, every single person here, Lord God, the little they have, the much that they have. Father, I just pray Eternity would explode that thing, Lord Jesus. Father, that you would highlight to us the wine press, Lord, and you meet us in that place, Father, that they would hear today the cry of God over them, arise mighty warrior, Lord. Their secret name that you have for them, Lord, you would whisper in their ear, you would roar over them, Lord. And that today would be a day, Lord, we would step out of the wine press of our limitation, Lord. We would grab hold of the authentic thing you have for us, Lord our assignment that only we can do, Lord. Those things you have put in the future for us to do, Lord God. The victories you have set us up for, Lord Jesus. But we've got to get out the wine press, Father. Your delight, Lord Jesus. Your incredible delight over your people, Lord. You announce them, Lord God. You announce them, Lord. So Holy Spirit, in your tenderness and your kindness and your infinite and eternal goodness, Lord. I just pray that you would meet with every single person here this morning who 
Spirit is crying out for that. I want to step out and be seen, Lord. It's time to be seen. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.